Thanks for tuning in to the Met Church Podcast. Here at the Met, we are all about connecting people to God and one another. If you have any questions or want more information about what's going on here at the Met, then head to our website at metchurch.com. We would love to stay connected with you throughout the week through social media, so be sure to connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. Now, enjoy the message. Yes. How are we doing? <laughs> you get the day off tomorrow. How are we doing? Yeah. <laughs> we already it's, took a vote. They don't all get the it's, day it's, off. It's, it's Labor Day. It's Labor Day. I think sometimes the, the, the Labor Day gets the shaft because I don't think a lot of people really know what it is. They just kind of are glad to get the day off. And that's what I used to think about it. How about you guys? Oh, Labor Day means the day we don't labor, but that's actually <laughs> not what it is. I looked it up, and we're actually celebrating all that people have done in our country to make America what it is today. So all the highways... All the roads, I was recently up in Colorado, and I was literally saying, who carved these roads and these mountains (laughs) literally risked their life? And there was camps that would come, like in the, it's just amazing, all that our country has been able to do. So we're going to say thank you, but I think in light of COVID, we've been a little more thankful Mm -hmm. than most. We, We recognize that a lot of people have done a lot in our lives, specifically going to work, the frontline people. Um, so we could be able to function, to have health care, all the great things. So That's thank it. you to all the laborers everywhere. We're, yeah, thank we're thankful. you. Thank you so much. And we, do, we really do need to not just thank them on Labor Day, that mm-hmm. all the people that make it happen, the front line, that uh, we couldn't do what we do without you. So thank you so much. And mm-hmm. we need to do this every single day. But I do have to be honest with you. Labor Day is not one of my favorite holidays because this is the unofficial end to summer. Okay, it's an unofficial end for summer, and I love summer. I mean, I'm, I'm one of these people, I'm kind of strange. I love the heat, and uh, I already noticed that next week it's going down. It's, it's moving back up, though. It was supposed to be in the 60s. Now it's in the 70s on Wednesday, oh. so I'm not... I'm, I'm a... <laughs> we were happy about the 60s, yeah. Everybody was excited about that, and I'm going, no, good, it's coming back up. Because, you know, once it starts getting down, it goes down in the 30s. That's what I really don't mind. I don't mind 70s. <laughs> it's the 30s that I don't like. I like it to, to be up there, so... It's coming. Yeah. And it's what I kind of feel like um, we haven't had summer. Yeah, with COVID, it's really been strange, hasn't it? When you look back and go, where was March? I feel like we missed March, April, May, June, July, August, because we were living in the unknown. We didn't know what was ahead. And I don't think we really had the lazy days of summer and <laughs> like we have things in the past of just resting and being happy with what was going on. So, yeah, we did kind of miss a little bit. Yeah, and we don't even know what we're going into. No. We don't, we don't even know what the, the fall is going to bring. And that's really why Bill did this series called Unstoppable, because there's so many things that we feel like has been taken away from us. And so he was really concentrating on those things that can't be taken away from us. So if you've missed any of the previous weeks, make sure you go to metchurch.com and, and watch those, because Bill's been doing an amazing job of talking about things that cannot be taken away from us. And today, as we conclude this series, we're going to talk about something that can't be taken away from you as well, and that's joy, that uh, you can always have joy no matter what the circumstances are, no matter what you're going through. And I'm really excited about this because we're going to really give you practical information. So get your pens out or your smartphones, however you want to take notes, because by the end of today, Mm -hmm. um, you're going to know how to actually have joy. Now, we think of joy a little bit like happiness. If my world is going great and my situation is really good, I'm happy. That's not biblical joy. That's just being into the circumstances of life. So what we're going to talk about, like you said, something that we have because of Christ that no one can take away from you. And it's really not 
I would say happiness is a little more worldly and joy is a little bit more godly of when we have Christ within us. It's something that we can't do from within ourselves. We can't muster up enough happiness when we're going through really hard times, but we can have joy knowing, mm -hmm. you know, Christ is in it. Something good is going to come out of it at the end, much like COVID. That's what we're saying. Right. It's not good, you know, but we know that God's going to work it together for good in the end. Yes, he is. You know, and that's what we have to realize that happiness a lot of times just depends on our circumstance. Mm -hmm. So it's our circumstances that give us the happiness. Well, joy comes from God because it's God who manufactures that joy. That's why we have joy. It's not something that we can mm -hmm. produce ourselves, that, uh, but we can have joy because we're content in what God is doing in our lives. Think about what Philippians 2.13 says. It says that it's for God's will to work in and through you to fulfill his purpose. See, we can have joy because we know no matter what we're going through, God is using this to fulfill his good purpose in our lives. And that's why we have joy. And as I said, it's not something we produce. It's actually something that we accept, that when you accept Jesus Christ, that you have the Holy Spirit in you. And it's the Holy Spirit. It's the byproduct of having the Holy Spirit. Remember Galatians 5, 22, 23, when it talks about the, the fruit of the Spirit. It's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, Self-control. I think I got them all. Anyway, <laughs> don't test me on that. But I got them all. But joy is a byproduct. And so what happens is the fact that when you have the Holy Spirit in you, you have joy. You have joy. Now, the key is that we have to walk in that joy. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what happens to so many people is they realize that the only way that we're going to experience joy through all the things is we have to walk in the Spirit through what we're going through. And living in joy is actually the opposite of reacting to our circumstances. Yes. Like we were talking about, we can be on this roller coaster of, hey, my life is good, so I'm happy now. Oh, my life is bad. And none of us want to be on the roller coaster. So we want to talk about today, how do you keep joy even when your circumstances aren't great? How do you have the joy within you um, that only comes from the Lord? That's it. And so what we're going to do, we're going to talk about five different things that, uh, that actually the Apostle Paul wrote in, in a book called Philippians. And uh, the Apostle Paul, you remember Paul, he's, he's the guy who hated Christians when he started out. He thought Christians were the, <laughs> the biggest problem the world ever faced. And so he was all about getting rid of Christians. And then he became one. And so now he's all about everybody becoming Christians. And on one of his mission trips that he went around the Mediterranean Rim where he was planting churches, he planted a, a church in a place called Philippi. And it was actually the first church that ever was planted in um, Europe. It was because Philippi was in Macedonia, which is in modern-day Greece. And uh, the first convert actually there for Labor Day mm -hmm. was a businesswoman. Mm -hmm. uh, her name was Lydia, and she was the first convert in, uh, in Europe and, and in, that, in the church of Philippi. And it was really a, a book that is something, if you haven't read the book of Philippians, make sure you go back because it was really modeled after joy. It's about living with joy, experiencing joy in everything you face. And Paul actually said that other churches need to model themselves after the church of Philippi because they were joyful, that they, they um, were generous. They did what God wanted them to do. And so it's a great book. But in this um, book, where he, he writes about the things that we need to do to make sure that we're walking in the spirit. And what's so great about when he writes this, he's actually, it's not great that he was doing this, but he was in prison at the time. He was in prison at the yeah. time. So. so he's worthy of us listening to, right? If he was king and had everything he wanted and was talking about joy, we might be going, well, I don't know if we should really listen to him. But what's so great, y'all, I, I love that you said, Rob, we should read this, y'all. It's only four chapters. If you read a chapter a day and the next four days you would have it. And it talks about joy and rejoice found similar words mm -hmm. 16 times in four chapters. Right. 
So that's a whole lot of joy. He's trying to help us. And that's where, that and that was the example that he was showing because, like I said, he was in prison. He was actually arrested for treason. That uh, back in that time, remember, uh, Rome dominated whatever uh, area that was in and um, mm -hmm. the whole area. And, and if anybody would put something above Caesar, put it above the emperor, then they were uh, really arrested for treason. And he put God first. And so when he's writing this, he knows it's not going to end well for him, and it doesn't. Um, Nero, he actually beheads him, um, taking that Spoiler back. alert. Spoiler alert, yeah, if you read that. It was, it's not in the book, so don't worry about that. But if you don't read your history, <laughs> that's what happens. But he, he knew the end was, here, but he, he, end was near, but he knew that to die was to gain because he was going to be with God. And that's why even in his circumstances, he had joy with what he was going through. And so in this, uh, in Philippians 4, he talks about the things that we need to do to make sure that we're walking in the spirit, to make sure that we have joy no matter what the circumstances are that we face. So if you've got your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Philippians 4, and we'll, we'll read through this together. And it says, here you go with your uh, rejoice, uh, Mary. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. He's going, guys, Stop worrying about what you're going through and start, stop, stop focusing on your circumstance and focus on your Savior. Realize what God has already done for you. That, that all of this is it's kind of what Bill always says. This is the worst it's gonna get, guys. You have to realize that all of us that have given our hearts to Jesus Christ, what we're going through now is the worst it's gonna get because we're gonna spend eternity with Christ. And this is what he was saying is, guys, stop worrying about those things. And actually what was happening there was actually a quarrel going on. It was a couple of the, the women that worked in the church were having problems with each other. These were faithful women that, that did a lot to build the church, but they're having these squabbles. And so, so Paul is writing this and saying, hey, stop arguing with each other and rejoice in the Lord. You're, you're, you're wasting all your time bickering with each other and you should be praising God. And he says, let your gentleness be evident to all. He's saying, we're an example. And what's great about the word gentleness there, it's the same word that was used when, when uh, the Pharisees brought the woman caught in adultery to Jesus. Remember, he was on the Temple Mount. He was speaking there, and they bring this woman that they caught in adultery before him. And they were trying to catch him to say something that the rest of the people wouldn't like, so they would turn against mm -hmm. him. And he says, she was caught in adultery, and the law says she should be stoned to death. What do you say, Jesus? And Jesus looked at him. He said, well, if that's what the law says, go ahead and do it. Go ahead and stone her. I mean, if, if, if she's caught in adultery and the law says stone her to death, go ahead. But then he said this. He says, ye without sin cast the first stone. And what was so great about Jesus uh, with, with what he said was he knew where they were. And he knew every one of the accusers had gone up those temple steps, had gone unto the temple mount with their sacrifice to ask God to forgive them for all the things they'd done wrong. And so he's saying, man, if, if, if you don't have any sin, go ahead and throw that first stone. Well, they all walk off. And, what's the, and he asks the woman, he says, where, where are your accusers? Where are those who would condemn you? And she says, I don't know. And he says, I don't condemn you either. Well, that's what he's talking about. Paul is talking about here with gentleness. It's the fact that we don't need to waste our time bickering with people. We don't need to waste our time pointing things out wrong in each other that we need to treat each other the way Christ treated the, us and the fact that he died for us. He forgave us so that we can go on. He says, the Lord is near. He said, it's time, don't waste your time worrying about this conflict and let's spend more time worried about God and focusing on him. And then he says this, starting in verse six. He says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition. With thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. 
Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice and the peace of God will be with you. And the God of peace will be with you. And what we notice when we read this, what Paul was writing is the fact that he was focused on things. Because let's face it, it's the things of life that steal our joy. It's the things that we go through that rob us of joy more than anything else. And so if you're going to have joy, if you're gonna experience joy through everything you go through, you gotta get hold of the things in your life. And so that's what we're gonna do. We're gonna talk about the things you need to get a hold of. And the first thing is you gotta worry about nothing. It's the first thing we have to do is worry about no things. Boy, that's a challenge, isn't it? Especially in today's world. So I looked up worry in case you need a definition. Webster says, worry is allowing your mind to dwell on your troubles, actual or potential. Mm -hmm. So that's really a scary place to be, isn't it? That we're worrying about stuff that's not gonna even actually happen. And 2 Corinthians 10.5 talked about that we can take our thoughts captive. Here's what we're talking about with Christ in us, there's something we can do to not worry because if you're like me, you're probably thinking, I think it's impossible to say I am not gonna worry. You know, I, I just think the more that we worry, the less that we are actually trusting God. You mm-hmm. know, and if the more we worry, the less we pray. The more we pray, the less we worry because you can't pray and worry at the same time. You can't be praying, praising God, thanking him for all he's provided for you, thanking for all the things that he's done for you and then go, oh, but then I'm worried that you're not gonna come through with this. So I think we need a little bit of a mind shift to say, okay, when worry comes, when it starts coming into your mind, it happens to us all the time, right? Mm -hmm. All day long, every day, we watch the news a lot more. But when we're sleeping at night and does this happen to you, something that is not even a big deal, somehow at two in the morning, it seems like the biggest deal in the world. And that's the time that, when it comes into your mind, let that be your notification. Let it be just like on your phone that something's notifying you. Let that be your notification. I need to be praying. Mm-hmm. God's brought this to my mind. To, maybe it's to pray for somebody. Maybe it's to change something within you. But let that be, instead of just worrying, let it be a time of, oh, I'm going to spend this time with God. I'm going to actually pray. And I'm going to trust. And I'm going to leave it with him that he is going to provide for this need, because at the end of the day, worrying is not going to provide anything for you, but more stress. It does, and you were exactly right. Worry is all, all about tomorrow. It's all about the future. It's, it's, it's. Uh, Jesus actually talked about that in uh, Matthew six. He was saying about that. Don't worry about tomorrow. Now, where are all my fellow worriers? Huh? How many? Where are you at? You get there. Not these worriers, that's it. All in line, make sure that you're raising your hands too. Anybody that if you're a worrier, put that up there, okay? Now, this is how much of a worrier I am. All of you who didn't raise your hands, I'm worried about you, okay? <laughs> because I, I, I think you're living in denial, okay? <laughs> I mean, there's just, there's so many things that, that we go through uh, putting there. But Jesus said, that's exactly what it is, is you're worrying about things that haven't happened yet. I think Bill puts it this way. He says, he goes, there's two things that you don't need to worry about, okay? Things that you can do something about, Mm -hmm. because if you can do something about it, don't worry about it, just go do it, Mm -hmm. or things you can't do anything about, because why worry about something you can't do anything about, okay? And that's usually what happens, but Jesus was saying, guys, it's wasteful. He says in Matthew 6, 27, he says, he goes, what can it add to your life? 
He said, when you, when you worry, what can it add to your life? Think about this. How many times after you've gone through something, when it's finally all resolved itself that you went, wow, thank goodness I worried about that. I mean, I'd never, I'd never got through that if I didn't worry. I mean, I needed that worry to get me through those things. That's, that's what it, he said it's wasteful. He said it's harmful to you. He said, because, and the reason why it's harmful is that when you worry, you end up taking matters into your own hands. You end up doing things you shouldn't do. That's really what happens. It's, if you go to 1 Samuel 13, that's what happened to Saul. Remember, Saul was the first king of, of Israel and they were being uh, attacked by the Philistines and he was told to wait. He was told to wait for, for God. He was waiting for Samuel, the prophet, uh, to, to bring the sacrifice, to do the offering. And he was, he was like, no, 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 I'm, I'm too worried about this. I've got to make it happen. So he goes ahead of God. And what does God do? He takes his hand off of him. He says, man, he lost his kingdom. And we lose so much. It's harmful to us when we worry about those things. And finally, it's sinful because of the fact that Jesus said, don't do it. When you're living your life and doing something that God doesn't want you to do, you're going against what he has to say for you to do. And the reason why, I know a little worry, it's kind of some people go, is it, is it really sinful to worry? Well, it's sinful to worry when it stops you from doing what God wants you to do. Okay, Charles Spurgeon, he puts it this way. It's the fact that if I asked you to come help me move some furniture, okay, if I help ask you to come and you say, yes, I'm gonna come do this, but you bring this backpack full of weights, this weight of worry. Well, the minute you start trying to help me move, you say, I can't do it anymore and you sit down. See, that's when, when sin, uh, when it becomes a sin, because now what happens, you're disobedient to God. Because now you're not trusting in God, you're not believing in God, and you've just gone to the sidelines and you waited. And so there's really nothing good that comes out of it. But what's so great what Jesus says, what he says there in Matthew 6, he says, instead of worry, do something else. He said, seek God first. Seek the kingdom of God first, Matthew 6, 33. He's saying, guys, instead of worry, seek after God. And when you read that, what does he say? He says, when you seek God first, guess what? He takes care of all those things you worry about. That's how it works. And that's why we can have joy because of the fact that when we put God first, when we seek him first, we don't have to worry about anything because God's already got this. That's why it comes down to trust. And I love what you say that the first thing that should be uh, on our minds when we get to worry is to pray because that's the second thing. It's pray about all things. Pray about all things. And I think when we're worrying, um, we're gonna have to replace it with something, right? You can't just say, okay, I'm just not gonna worry. I mean, then your mind's going to worry, right? So I think if we have a go-to, that's always a good thing. It's going to help us replace that. I think worry, y'all, really, at the end of it is about control. I'm out of control on something, and I can't fix it. I can't change it. I can't. So when we shift to prayer, it becomes, I'm still out of control, but I'm giving God control. Mm -hmm. so, so what's prayer exactly? Prayer is communication with God. It's not just a one-way conversation. I think a lot of times we, we have those, but we need to have a very steady diet of communication with God. So it's kind of like, think of somebody that you love that you're gonna call and have a conversation with. You're gonna call them up. You're not just gonna go, hey, I got a few things to tell you. Run through your list and hang up the phone and not ask them anything <laughs> about themselves. If so, you're not gonna, if you're dating, you're not gonna be in that relationship very long. Um, you need to, to, you know, have the tennis ball. You guys that went to counseling, remember premarital counseling? You throw the ball, Rob's a tennis guy. Yeah. You don't get to hit, hit the, it. Hit you don't get to hit it. You just throw it. <laughs> throw and then they catch it. That's a different game. It's a different game. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, oh, I don't like this one. You get to say something, they catch it. And then they say, just to be sure somebody knows how to communicate 
back and forth. That's what we're talking about. It's, it's with an invisible God, though, so it's a little bit different, right? So maybe it's you open your Bible and you say, hey, God, I'm really struggling with, um, should I take this new job or not? So you're gonna read some scriptures and um, maybe sometimes God says yes, sometimes God says no, sometimes God says wait, which is really the most difficult thing probably for all of us, especially us impatient people. But we need to be in a conversation with God. We need to be telling him what our needs are, listening for what he has for us. We need to be saying, not God, here's what I want, make it happen, Mm -hmm. just as Jesus did, you know, as he was going before the cross. He was having a conversation with God saying, okay, God, can you take this from me? But at the end of the day, not my will, but yours. Not my way, but your way, because I know you know the best, Mm -hmm. you know, and Bill says all the time, if we knew what God knew, we would want what God has because he has the best for us. So that's all about prayer. So replace your worry with prayer. When it starts coming, start saying, okay, I'm gonna pray about this to God. At the end, I'm telling you right now, something changes within you. That's what the Holy Spirit does. God's Spirit, once we accept Jesus, God's Spirit comes and lives with inside us and it gives us a peace that passes understanding. God's Spirit changes us but we need to spend time with him, reading his word, praying to have his mind and know what he has for us. And I think that's where we have to understand is pray about all things. Mm -hmm. I think so many times we don't think to go to God until it's something we don't think we can handle. But it's, it's pray about all things. Pray about the big things and the little things because prayer is about you getting on the same page. Uh, with God. Remember in, in, in Matthew 6, 5, the disciples went to Jesus and they said, hey, teach us how to pray. Teach us how to pray. You, you're, you're pretty good at this, Jesus. We see you go out there and everything looks good. And we want to be able to, to do this as well. And he says that what you need to do is you need to go by yourself. You need to, get, you need to pray to God in a place that there's no distractions. You need to pray in, in a place that you can actually spend time listening to God because like you said, it yeah. is a conversation. And the reason why you need to do that is because it helps you get on the same page. Why you mentioned the fact that being when Jesus was in the garden before he went to the cross and he was saying, God, this is what I would rather. Can you take this and do something else? And he says, but not my will, but yours. It was getting on the same page with, with God. And that's why we need to pray about all things so that we're on the same page. That's why it also says that when you, when you pray to God, what you're doing is you're now putting your problems into God's hands. That's why 1 Peter 5, 7, it says, cast all your anxieties on the Lord because he cares for you. It's what you're doing is you're putting it into God's hands. That God, this is something that, that I'm dealing with. Now I'm gonna put it in your hands and I trust you. And the thing that when it talks about cast, it's not like fishing, okay? <laughs> what it's actually doing, it's casting it away from yourself. Yeah. It's not fishing where all of a sudden when God doesn't do what you want, when you want and how you want, that you kind of reel the thing <laughs> back in and you're just doing this. No, it's, 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 it's the release part mm-hmm. of, of those things that you put it in his hands. That's why Psalm 37, four, it talks about that we can take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. This isn't uh, God being Santa Claus. This doesn't mean when we go to prayer and we say, God, this is what I want, this is what I want, this is what I want, and then we wake up and wait for it under the tree. No, this means that when I get on the same page with God, that he puts in my heart the desires that he has for me. So that's why I'm able to go through everything that I go through with joy because I know this is what God Mm -hmm. has for me. This was God's plan for me. And even though it might not be what I want at this time, I know 
that what happens in the end is the best thing for me and for those around me. Because prayer changes us. It does. It changes us. And so you need to pray about everything. Start every day, end every day in prayer. It's First Thessalonians 5.17, pray without ceasing. And what that means is that the communication with God should be all the time. That's why we always walk around and go, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Because <laughs> yeah. we're always talking to Jesus, which leads us to the third point. We need to be thankful for everything. Thankful for everything. Yeah, and I think thankfulness and gratitude is huge in our spiritual life. And when our kids were little, I remember, I think it was probably the first or second Christmas. You guys have little ones remember this. They went under the tree and they started opening, just tearing open all these presents. They didn't even care what they were. It was more about opening, right? So they just threw it down and went, what else do I have? What else do I have? And early on, I went, oh, we're not raising unthankful and grateful kids. No. So I'll give you a clue. Is So what we started because the wise men brought Jesus three gifts. We gave our kids three gifts, literally. They know this every year. Now, the gifts get bigger as they get older. When they were little, it could be a Barbie and three things. It wasn't very much. But by the time they get gifts from relatives and all the things, you know, they get a lot. So we were intentional of, I want grateful, thankful kids. And not just for any reason, but because then when you get good things in your life, it does something for you. You become... Um, not just needy, but it becomes that you're grateful for what you have. So I think God wants that from us. I think he wants us to be noticing the things that he brings in our lives. We can go through every day and not ever be thankful for anything that we have. Or we can start our day by going with the curiosity, hey, God, I want to look for some things today um, that you have done for me. I have a counselor friend, and so she's been challenging me to have a gratitude journal and the end of every night that I open that up and write something that I am grateful for. Y'all, at the beginning, it was hard. It'd be, okay, the trash man came today, especially in the middle of COVID. I'm coming up with some hard things to find. But now it's so easy. I see things all the time. I see somebody helping somebody maybe in the grocery store. I see um, somebody holding a door open. Now my mind has changed of instead of I'm just expecting all of this, it's, oh my gosh, Something spiritually happens within us when we become more grateful and thankful people. I think we look for God more. I think we see him in the small things of life. It doesn't have to be a big thing. So I challenge you guys to do the same thing because I'm telling you right now, your relationship with the Lord will change. Mm -hmm. When you see, when you become grateful for Jesus, that's mm -hmm. the first place that we can start of every day if there's nothing else. Um, we do have Jesus that we get to spend eternity with our heavenly father. That's a huge thing to be grateful for, but look for it around you. Look for people doing great things. Look for um, just the beauty that God gives you. We get to walk outside and see flowers and um, we put up some hummingbird feeders and we're getting to see hummingbirds every day right now out of our house. And now I'm just becoming more grateful for the things that God has around us. Right. I think if we're not thankful, uh, we start taking things for granted. Mm -hmm. And it's when we start taking things for granted and then we start being more selfish mm -hmm. because now it's what we expect. And I think what we have to, to realize is the fact that everything that we have is a gift. I mean, it's the fact that our salvation is a gift, that, that God gave his son as a gift. And we're thankful for, for all of those things that we have. And, and I, I always go back to, again, that Paul was writing this in prison. Mm -hmm. And he's saying, be thankful. Mm -hmm. And most of us would go, what, what are you talking about? How can you be thankful for that? And you have, if you go back and look at history, that the first century Christians were the most persecuted people on the planet. And he's telling them to be thankful. And what he's saying is the fact that, that, listen, Christ died for you. 
And even though that it's, it's, it's not what you want and what you're going through, but guess what? This is as bad as it gets. Mm. This is as bad as it gets. What we're going through right now, life on earth is as bad as it gets because we get to spend eternity with Jesus Christ. We get to spend eternity with heaven. And so, so we need to be thankful for those things. And and I start saying, last time I said that, you know, First uh, Thessalonians five seventeen was was to to pray uh, without ceasing. Well, then if you go to eighteen, it says, and give thanks in all circumstances. Mm-hmm. It's prayer and thanks go together. Mm-hmm. Prayer and thanks go together because it's knowing the fact that that God is with you. That's why you can be thankful. Mm-hmm. That's why James said in James one, he said that that um, count it all joy when you face trials of many kinds. Why? Why can we be thankful to face trials? It's because God is doing something in you and through you, that he is, he's, he is, he's maturing you. He's making you where you, you don't lack anything. What God does, everything that we go through is trying to change you into the images of his son. And if you look at all of your circumstances, if you look at everything that you go through, knowing that God is using this to change you, to turn you into somebody that now can start seeing everything the way he sees things, then you're gonna be thankful. Okay, it might be you might not like what you're going through, mm-hmm. but you're thankful for what you're going through because of what it's going to do for you and the people around you. Fourth thing that we're going to talk about today is you got to think on the best things. That's really a challenge right now for us, isn't it, you guys? Because the the news it's it's super crazy when we turn on the TV and what's going on. So I've really been trying to have a healthy diet of what I'm bringing in, and I know at the beginning of COVID bill started cautioning us, don't watch the news all day because you literally can watch the news all day. And at the beginning of COVID, I was watching a lot of news and a lot of different channels and you could get a different opinion, Mm -hmm. a different story on whatever channel that you put it on. But I love knowledge. I think knowledge is powerful and um, it's good for us to know this information and do I need to take care of my family and all the stuff, but really what started happening is I started going a little bit crazy. Mm. Literally, my husband would come in at 10 o'clock and go, turn it off, Mary. I'm like, oh no, (laughs) somebody's coming up. This is the new specialist that's gonna know all of the things. At the end of the day, as we look back, right, hindsight's 2020, they had no idea. So I wasted a lot of time watching some stuff that nobody really knew. So, but I think the challenge for us is in the world that we live today with technology, social media, TV, YouTube, I could name all the places and sources that we could get our information. We just have to balance it. It's not bad. We need to know what is going on in our world and we need to watch some of it, but it can't be our steady diet, right? It would be like you just eating French fries and whatever else all day. It's good. It's okay to have it every now and then, but we need to have a steady diet of healthy things. So if we're going to watch 30 minutes of the news, then let's do 30 minutes of reading scripture or maybe listen to some worship songs or a Christian podcast or go listen to the sermons again because Mm -hmm. every one of Bill's sermons are totally different. So if you watched one, um, you can go watch the next one and you will hear something different. But be cautious about what is coming into your mind because here's what I know. What you put in your mind, Bill says all the time, our minds are not sanctified. It's part of our body. You will start living out what you are um, listening to maybe It could be, I'm not saying it's bad things, it could be good things, but it's not the best thing. And we can't have a mind like Christ and we can't um, be putting our mind on the best things if we are not taking in the best things. So that's my challenge for you. So monitor that. Say, okay, 
the other day we got hooked on some series, y'all, seven hours later, we watched the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, because you can do that now. Do you remember we used to have to wait until the next week to see what was going to happen with something? Not anymore. You can blow your whole day um, just sitting down watching stuff, but it's not the healthiest thing. So um, have some accountability with that. If it, Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's a girlfriend, the a good guy friend that's going to say, hey, I know you've been spending some time in places. Maybe you shouldn't. This isn't the best for you. It's not the best for your family. Have somebody who's helping you think on the best things because everything is not profitable. No, yes. it's not. Well, it's, it's Proverbs 23, 7. What it says that you are what you think you are. Yeah. The thing that Satan's going to do to basically rob you of your joy more than anything else is to get you to not see yourself the way God sees you. Mm. I mean, that's what he's going to do more than anything else. He wants you to believe the lie, that you're not worthy of God, that, that God has somehow forgotten you. I mean, how many times do we think when we go through something that, that, man, God must not love me because if he loved me, I wouldn't be going through these things, that maybe there isn't a God after all because, I mean, how could a God that loved me let me go through these different things? And that's what Satan is going to try to do, and that's why you have to keep putting in the fact that, no, you are a child of God. You got to realize when you give your, your life to Christ, you're a child of God. You're his. That you go into Romans 8, it said nothing can separate, separate you from his love. When somebody's telling you you're unlovable, guess what? It's a lie. God loves you as you are. That's why you can have joy no matter what you're going through. So don't think on what they're saying. Don't think on what they're saying. Think about what, that's what we've always said. Yeah. It's the fact, don't listen to those around you. I, I look at it from, parents, you probably understand this too. Have you ever had your kids come into the household and all of a sudden they're saying and doing things and you've looked at them and go, wait a minute, where'd this come from? Because mm -hmm. you didn't get this in this house. And so you have to look at who's influencing them. Mm -hmm. Who are the people that they're listening to that are taking their cues from? Well, that's what is thinking of the best things is don't listen to the lies, put in the truth. Put in the truth. Because as long as you're gonna think on those things, that's who you're gonna believe you are and that's why you won't have joy. Uh, Romans 12, 21, it says that you overcome evil with good. So think of the good things. If you just concentrate on the bad things all the time, that's what's gonna happen. And I think the reason why this is so important to everybody, when you go to Proverbs 17, 22, it talks about that a joyful heart is good medicine. There's people, you can make yourself physically sick mm -hmm. because of what you think about yourself. I mean, it's a fact that if you think negativity all the time into your life, you can become physically ill. It can, it can crush your spirit. And that's why you have to have this joyful heart. You gotta realize that God loves you. God will see you through. He's using everything for your good and his glory. That's what it's about. So think on those things. And then finally, the last thing is you gotta do the right thing. You gotta do the right thing. So when we were coming up with this, talking about point five, and Rob said, do the right thing, I'm like, well, who's deciding what the right thing is? Because everybody has a different opinion on the right thing. And he said, well, we're gonna go what scripture says. I was like, oh yeah, okay, yeah. That's a good place to start. <laughs> yeah. So we all know um, a little bit of what scripture says, but John 13, 17 says, now that you know these things, these other four things that we've been talking about, you will be blessed if you do them. Because at the end of the day, we all have free will. And you get to decide if you're going to worry, if you're going to pray, if you're going to focus on the right things, think on the right things. We all get to decide that for ourselves. So it's your choice, actually, at the end of the day, if you are going to choose to do the right thing or not do the right thing. And if you are in question, always look in Scripture first, mm -hmm. because a lot of times it's already in Scripture. Right. Should I do this? Should I do that? Well, let's see what Scripture says. 
You can look in back of your concordance and look up a word maybe you're thinking about. Most of the time it's in scripture. Sometimes it's a free will thing. Mm -hmm. It's should I date this person? Should I take this new job? Sometimes we're just praying about those things for God to reveal it to us. And sometimes God says yes. Sometimes God says no. Sometimes God says wait, as we talked about. But I think it's in the waiting. It's in us desiring to find the right things for our lives that our faith is strengthened. If we expect to know everything that God wants to give us, um, then we don't need God all of the time. So I think he's also trying um, to strengthen our faith, our reliance upon him to know him more, to spend more time getting to know if he has the right thing Mm -hmm. and what it would be for us. That's right. And again, doing the right thing, it all starts with the word. It's 2 Timothy 3.16, which is the fact that the, the, the word is, is God breathed. This is all from God and it's for training. It's for, uh, for training to live in righteousness. And what is righteousness? It's doing the right thing. So if you wanna know how to do the right thing, make sure you're in the word. If you're not in the word every single week uh, and every single day, you're not, you're not gonna know exactly what God wants you to do. So I wanna give you five things real quick of what you need to do with the word, okay? Because it's the word that's gonna change you. And the first thing you gotta do is you gotta hear the word. You gotta hear the word that y'all are doing great, all of you online, because you're actually here hearing the word of God, which is what you need to do on a, on a daily basis. And we're so blessed to have Bill because I always think about me, you know, scripture just keeps flying out of his brain. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. That's why we say you can watch all three messages because it's whatever he, it comes to him at that time and it just comes out there. But you hear the word, it's Romans 10, 17, that faith comes from hearing and hearing the word of God that we've, we've talked about before that the opposite of worry is being courageous, okay? Mm-hmm. It's having courage. Well, that's faith. That's where you get your faith. Well, how are you gonna have that courage? How are you gonna get outside of being a worrier is you gotta have that faith. Well, it comes from hearing the word of God. So get into the word, hear the word of God. The second thing you need to do is not just hear it, but read it. You gotta read the, the, read the word of God. Revelation 1.3, it talks about the fact that, that you should be uh, blessed to those who read the word. Blessed are those who read the word because what happens is they're taking it in. Because there's something about, there's, well, there's hearing is one thing, but then that, t- that taking that thing uh, in that word into you, it just changes you. So you gotta, you gotta read the word. The third thing is you need to study the word. You gotta study the word. Acts 17, it talks about that, that they studied the scriptures day and night because what happens is they wanted to conform their lives to what God wanted them to do. And that's what we all need to do. If we're gonna walk into joy, we need to conform our lives to what God has for us. Uh, the fourth thing, you need to memorize the word. You need to memorize the word. Psalm 119, it talks about, I hide your word in my heart so that I will not sin against you. If you wanna do the right thing, Memorize scripture. That's what Jesus did when he was out in the wilderness and, the, and Satan was tempting him. And what did he do? He rebuked him with, with, with scripture. You and I do the same thing. We, we do the right thing by, by knowing the scripture and we throw it out there to, to offset the lies that Satan is throwing at us. And finally, you need to meditate on the word. It's Psalm 1-2. It talks mm-hmm. about the fact that I delight in the, in the word of God. I delight in his word and, and I meditate on it all day long. And what that means is the fact that I live in it, okay? That it's, it's become who I am. That I meditate on this so this is how I act. And that's really what we wanna do. If you wanna walk in joy, it's talking about doing that with word, being in the word, hearing it, reading it, meditate on it, study it, and, and memorize it. And I love all of our steps up to this point. It ends with a promise in verse nine. So all passages, we don't have a promise if we do what it says. This one we do. It says in verse nine, 
and the peace of God will be with you, which is our goal, right? Uh, we want to live a life of peace, a live a life that we are trusting God, that he has the best for us. Um, I did a funeral yesterday, you know, for a great man that's in our church. Um, Jimmy Copeland passed away, and um, as his family started writing me just great stories about their dad and their granddad and the peace that he brought into their lives. Uh, he was constantly encouraging them, helping them to think better of themselves than they thought of themselves, constantly being by their side, encouraging them in their sports and whatever it was in their life. And as I was listening to all their stories, I thought, hey, this is what we all want of our lives. We want, when we're gone, the people around us to say that um, we brought them great joy. We brought them um, just a peace by our very presence. So that's what we hope by the end of today, right, is as we rub shoulders and elbows with people that they're going to feel the presence of God. They're going to say there's something different about them. They're not all stressed out and worried over COVID and what's going to happen. They have a peace that brings me such comfort to be in their presence. And I will tell you right now, you all have the ability to have that. If you have Jesus Christ in you, you have the ability to do that when you walk out these doors. Maybe it's at lunch, maybe it's with the waitress, maybe it's with your neighbor, but you get to share the love of Christ. That's one of our great abilities as Christ believers is we get to share that with the people that God puts in our influence. And I'm telling you, he has people in your influence that aren't in our influence that he wants to use you. You are the person for the job. He wants to elevate you to do something to show joy to people in your sphere. So the question we leave you with today is, do you have peace? Do you have the peace of God with you? It's that, it's that easy by praying about all things, by not worrying about anything, by being thankful for what you're going through, by thinking on the best things, and by doing the right thing. And you can have the peace of God. And that's what God wants for you. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we do thank you for the fact that you care that much about us. You care about everything we go through, everything we face. And that you want us to go through all those things with joy and confidence that you're with us because you are. So God, help us to understand that. Help us to understand that, that you loved us so much you gave us your son. That he died on the cross for our sins. And he rose again so that we could have peace so that we could have life, so that we could have joy, and that you won't leave us now. God, be with those that are, that are struggling right now. Be with those that are, that are, are facing difficulties and, and, and the anxiety is starting to, 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 to well up inside of them. Tell them now to just cast those cares onto you, that you've got this that just seek after me. Tell them that if they seek after you, that you're gonna take care of all of those things. And God, if there's anybody here today or watching online that has never entered into that relationship with you at this time, God, give them the courage right now to open up their heart to you. If that's you, just open up your heart right now and just say, God, I understand now. I wanna have joy. I don't wanna go through life by myself. I realize now that you love me so much that you sent your son to die on the cross for me. And because of what you've done for me, I wanna give my life to you. And if you surrender your heart 
if you surrender your life, if you believe that God died for you, that he sent his son for you, you're now ready to, to take that next step. You're now a child of God. You have his spirit inside of you. And you can live with joy. So God, help us to walk in that. Walk in your spirit, walk in your ways, knowing that you will see us through all things. God, we love you and praise you. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for tuning in today with us. If you have any questions or prayer requests, please contact us so that we can follow up with you this week by visiting metchurch.com. We look forward to seeing you again next week.